This morning we are going to be looking at Mark the 16th chapter, starting at verse 1. We're going to be looking at Mark's account of that resurrection Sunday some 2,000 years ago. And we read that when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought uh, spices so they could uh, might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Some 2,000 years ago. We just went through this whole last week. uh, We call it Holy Week. The week that we focus on this whole Easter event. On Friday we had just a phenomenal service. How many of you are here on the Good Friday service? It was awesome. It was so amazing. Uh, The entire Good Friday service. There was. I didn't really say anything. We just read the Bible. We just read the the, uh, crucifixion account. Had some great songs. and, and, uh, And boy at the end there wasn't a dry eye in the place. It was really, really a powerful time. And so we reflected on the death of Jesus and how important that was. And, you know, you, you think back just a few months ago, we were talking about Christmas and all these different things and some of these significant uh, uh, events uh, in the Christian calendar. But the most significant event is today's event. Had it not been for the resurrection, nothing else would have mattered. Jesus said some wonderful things, yes, some great teaching, yes, wonderful insights, yeah, 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 yeah. But without the resurrection, without this incredible event, it would have been no different than so many other religious teachers and prophets and speakers throughout the centuries. You see, all of those guys are still dead, still in the tomb. But when Jesus Christ came out of that tomb, after being crucified and died upon that cross, that was the one singular event that changed the course of history. It was within a matter of decades that Christianity spread throughout the world, turning the world up on its ear. No one had ever heard of such a thing. That we could know God. Jesus made it possible. Anything is possible now to know God and to have success in life because of what happened on that day. You need to know that because God raised Jesus from the dead, the most incredible event in history, you need to know something. Anything is possible. Even your little stinking life. Even the struggles you deal with. The things that you think are so overwhelming. All the troubles, the challenges, all the things that you might be facing. You know, it, it, it means nothing compared to raising Jesus from the dead to eternal life. If God can do that, he can handle your bills. He can handle your husband. He can handle your kids. He can handle the chances, the struggles in your life. I don't care what your banker told you. I don't care what the doctor told you. I want you to know something. Anything is possible if you trust in Jesus. He can do all things are possible, he said, to him that believes. In fact, 
The Bible teaches us that if the devil would have really known what was going to happen, he would have never incited people to crucify Jesus. See, he thought this was a great gig going here. You know, he finally got Jesus. He's teaching and doing all these miracles. All right, he just hated it. And he finally thought he had, you know, gotten everything just arranged. And Judas had betrayed him. And all the guys got together. And they arrested him in the middle of the night. And had a trial in the middle of the night. All against the law of the day. And they, all this stuff. And they finally crucified him. And he thought, woohoo! We got him! Ha ha ha! But we read in 1 Corinthians that it says, None of the rulers of this age understood it. Talking about Satan, satanic rulers of the state. For if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If he would have known, but he didn't know. He didn't know, but Jesus came walking out of that tomb and changed everything. Jesus came to bring us freedom. And the greatest demonstration of his ability to bring freedom into your life is when he walked out of that tomb some 2,000 years ago. Now, one of the great phrases found in the Easter account is simply this. I love this. The stone was rolled away. Well, the question I want to pose to you this morning, as you've gathered on this Easter morning, is this. Has the stone been rolled away in your life? Even if you're a believer. You see, as Christians, we identify completely with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. In fact, the Apostle Paul taught us that the very act of baptism is all about that identification. We read about it in the epistles to the Roman Christians. He says this, he says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? See, it's that, that identification with that death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, that in order, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So that the symbolism of baptism is when you're, when you're put into the waters, you're identifying with the burial of Jesus, the death and burial of Jesus. But as you come out to walk in newness of life, you're identifying with the resurrection of Jesus. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. Key things. The Bible often talks about how that we as true people of faith, if you're really doing this right, we have died with Christ. I'm, I'm working on a message I, I hope to bring in the next you know, month or two, but uh, it's entitled, God Wants to Kill You. <laughs> and obviously not the physical you, but the selfish, sinful part of you. That is supposed to be buried with Christ. We're supposed to die to our old self, the Bible teaches us. And as believers now, we're supposed to walk in the new life that Christ brings to us. It's, we're supposed to be dead people to selfishness. You see, I love the analogy because dead people, they're very patient people. <laughs> you know, you can insult a dead guy. You can stick him with a stick. You can make fun of him. You can pull at his hair. He never says a thing. Very patient. Dead people don't get mad. They don't yell. Dead people don't get mad if the communion goes by and the version they wanted already ran out. You know, just, just they're cool. Everything's cool. They don't get mad at all the little tiny nitpicking things in life. We're supposed to be, in terms of reacting to nasty things, that's the way we're supposed to be. As if we're dead. Dead to that old nasty life, but alive to the new life that's in Christ. Now, sadly, though many of us have been raised to life uh, in Christ, it's as if we're still stuck in the tomb because of this gigantic stone that's blocking our access to freedom. You see, we've been born again. 
And, and the Bible talks about Jesus taught us that when you come to him in faith and he forgives you of your sins, he breathes life into you and, and it's like the spirit part of you really comes to life for the very first time. You need to understand that every person who's ever born into the world, spiritually speaking, is born stillborn. Physically, we're alive. Our soul is alive. But our spirit, the Bible teaches, is dead. Dead because of sin. This is the original sin. Adam and Eve's sin that has been passed on to all mankind is when they rebelled against God, their spirits died. And that's why so many people throughout the world, they all sense that something's missing. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know, something's missing in my life. What is it? And people try so many different things. Some people try to be religious and think, well, man, if I just do the right religion, I'll, I'll, I'll come to life. And, but it doesn't ever really quite seem to work. Others, you know, they're, they're, they're desperately trying to, you know, take the paddles and clear you know, and try and bring that spirit part of them to life, but it doesn't work. And they try all kinds of things. They think, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just go out and really get loaded, you know, get drunk or get high or something. They're clear, you know, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. People think, you know, if I just had enough money, boy, if I, if I would win the lottery, you know, clear, but it, it doesn't work. Money won't do it for you. Drugs won't do it for you. People say, boy, if I can just find the right boy in my life. can just find the right boy clear you know and, and that doesn't do it nothing seems to work people try desperately in their lives if i just get a bigger house a bigger car if i you know if i just get this or that and, and they're all running around desperately trying to fill the void on this what is that what is that nagging thing inside of me it's your spirit it's dead and you can sense something's not right and jesus said if you will come to me in faith I will remove the sin in your life. And I will breathe the life of God into you. And that spirit will come alive. It's a wonderful thing. That's why we call it, refer to it as being born again. Or some people say, that's when I got saved. And other people say, well, that's when I saw the light. All the different uh, phrases and stuff that people talk about. That's what they're trying to describe. This experience of when they came to life. On the inside. For some people it's a very dramatic thing. Others people it's not quite so dramatic. It doesn't really matter the, the level of drama. All that really matters is that you do it. Is that you surrender your heart to him. And say Lord forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Breathe your life into me. And, and it is a wonderful glorious experience. I, I did this you know, when I was 16 years old, my life has never been the same since. It's a, it's a glorious, wonderful thing. But even though a lot of people will come to Jesus in that way, and they'll pray a prayer, and they'll, they'll take that initial step, and they'll, they'll be born again, it's still as though they're struggling to really walk in freedom. It's like they're walking around in a tomb. It, it's kind of like, you know, those weird horror flicks where a guy, you know, they think he's dead. And they stick him in the casket and they bury him. But he's not dead. You know, and he wakes up. Uh, you know, ooh, creeps me out. When I'm dead, hit me hard with a stick. Make sure I'm gone before you stick me in the ground. Wait, I don't, don't want to wake up. Where is everybody? But, but it's, it's like people are like that. They're, they're, they're like, they, they've got the freedom in them. And they can tell their, but, but they, don't, they can't get out. Things are blocking their lives. They're not really living this wonderful freedom that we have as Christians. 
There's all kinds of different stones that seem to hem people. And some people, it's the stone of fear. Even though they've been born again as Christians. And, but, but their lives are so full of fear. They've got so many fears. They're afraid of so many things. And it keeps them from, from stepping out and doing something with their lives. You know, there's universal fears. Um, I've been doing a series uh, here at the church on what it means to be a healthy woman and a healthy man in the church. And and we'll continue that uh, in in the weeks to come. But, you know, men and women seem to share universal fears. Women seem, if there's one fear that women seem to share a lot, it's the fear of rejection. Their fear that, you know, they're going to be rejected. They're not going to be loved. And, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I actually believe it's one of the reasons that so many women strike first blood. You know, when the, when the marriages go lousy. You know, 80% of all divorces in America are filed by women. Why is it? They're, they're going to strike blood first, see? You're not going to reject me. I'll get rid of you first. And it's driven by this fear of rejection. They don't, they, you know, they would rather get on the offensive than, than to have someone push. But, but it freezes them. See, you can't be in, you can't live a free life if you're, if you're afraid of things. For most men, their greatest fear is a a fear of failure. And I'll be talking about this more in detail as as I continue the series. But, you know, um, in a recent survey, almost 80% of men, they don't tell you this. We We don't tell the women in our lives this. But most men have this little voice in their head that says, you're a fraud. You're an imposter. You're a failure. They just haven't figured you out yet. They just haven't exposed you yet. You know. And so many guys, they, they have this haunting voice inside of them. And they're afraid of failing. And if you let that get a hold of you, you will never step out and accomplish much in your life. One of the reasons so many people accomplish so few things is simply because of fear. They're afraid. They're afraid and they, they would rather risk nothing and not fail. Oh man, what an icky place to be. I I refuse to live like that. I have failed many, 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 many times in my life. I'm a lot smarter than I was when I was 20 years old. Do you know why? It wasn't because of a book I read. It's because of all the really, really, really stupid things I've done. (laughs) And I'm much smarter today because of experience and failure. And, And you know what? You can fail and you don't die. It's okay. It's okay to stretch out there, you know, but we're so afraid and, and, you know, it's sad. I listen to so many people, you know, they, 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 they were raised in homes where they, it was reinforced into them that they're a nothing, you're a nobody, you'll never accomplish anything. I mean, a lot of you guys had parents who told you that. You're a failure, you're a loser, you're nothing, you'll always be a nothing. Oh man, what a, and that voice is constantly yelling at you in your life. And even though you come to faith in Christ, you, you still have this sense that I'm a nothing, I'm a nobody, I, I can't do anything. Oh man, you got to shut that voice off. You know, God bless my mama. You haven't met my mama, she's something else. <laughs> the acorn doesn't fall far from the tree. And... Uh, but I'll tell you, if, if, if there is the one thing, my brother Eddie will tell you this too, and any of the kids in our family, there's six of us. If there's one thing my mom instilled into us, it's the sense that we can do anything. All my life, all our life, she told us, you can do anything because you're a gunger. You're a gunger. You can... Now, we were in our 30s before it dawned on us, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, seriously, it's like, you know, I, I don't think that means anything, mom, you know? 
But you know what's so wild about this? Is why I know so many men who struggle their whole lives because they keep hearing the voice of their parents telling them that they're nothing. I am haunted by my mother's voice who says you can do anything. You can go anywhere. You can accomplish anything. What a wonderful voice to have stuck in your head. I'm you parents, you have you need to stick that kind of voice in your children's heads. You need to build them up. You need to encourage them. Don't be yelling at them, telling them they're losers and stupid and all this other kind of stuff. Don't do that. You need to let them know, you can do anything, you little blessing. I want to strangle you, but you're a blessing. <laughs> you're better than that. And for those of you who have those voices in your head, man, get in the Word, get in the Bible, read the Scriptures, and get God's words in your head. Because God says, you can do anything! He's like my mom. (laughs) For others, it's not just the stone of fear that seems to lock them in. It's the stone of addiction. They're addicted. There's so many addictions today in our country, and it's so sad. A lot of it, because so, so many of you desperately were trying to, you know try to you know jumpstart your heart you know through drugs or alcohol or pornography or all the different addictions there are out there and uh, even though you've been born again those tentacles still stay locked inside of you you know God has an answer for you you can get free from that we can get those stones rolled away but that those are very limiting things in your life that will suck the life out of you even though you've been born again I don't have time to just teach on that but this is a struggle that a lot of people have. And other people, they allow the stone of sin. Just plain, flat out, ridiculous, stupid sin. Just doing things they know that are, that's wrong. And, and they don't take it seriously. And it, it limits them. I'm talking about people of faith here. I'm not talking about heathens out there who don't come to church ever. Or just on Easter. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway... Um, <laughs> oh, why did I say that? But anyway, the uh, but I'm talking about people who come to church all the time, who their life is limited. They're they're alive again on the inside, but they can't get anywhere. They're just they're, they're locked in by the stone in in front of the cave. They have no freedom because they keep doing stupid things the Bible teaches them not to do, and they think there's no connection. I've noticed this all my life. I, I remember as a, as, a, as a young minister when I was uh, early, in my early 20s and I was in a church. And First time I noticed it, this lady came and she wanted counseling. And we said, well, I said well, they threw her to me. I don't know why. but And uh, they, they, she, you know, I'm talking to her and I said, what seems to be the problem? She says, I, I just... I, you know, I just can't get close to Jesus. I, I don't have the joy, and you guys talk about joy and talk about all this. And these. I don't have that, and I've prayed, and, and I read my Bible. And you know, and you do all, you encourage them, you pray for them, you show the scriptures, and it's like, no matter what I would tell her to do, she'd come back week after week after week after week, and just nothing was working. That's a little frustrating, you know. You think, well, what's wrong? This should be working. It's not working. Why isn't it working? And uh, finally, you know, I, I looked at her one day, and I said, you got a boyfriend? She looked at me and said, why? I said, I'm just curious. You got a boyfriend? Well, yeah. Well, tell me about your relationship with this boy. Well, it wasn't too many minutes finding out she's having sex with this guy and doing all kinds of stuff she knows she shouldn't be doing and partying and all this nonsense. And she's been coming and wasting my time for weeks. <laughs> what the hell? How come I'm not happy? Because you're an idiot. <laughs> get to freedom in Jesus if you're doing everything Jesus told you not to do. And 
I have seen this repeated time and time and time over the last 30 years in ministry. Talking to people and, you know, you can't do that stuff. They go, well, I know it's wrong, but ha, it's no big deal, you know, but how come I'm not happy? Because you're doing stuff wrong. Oh, come on. I mean, really? It makes me crazy. And driving me crazy is a very short trip. Just willfully doing stupid, stupid things we shouldn't do and just getting all limited and they can't have them free. You can't do that, you guys. If you want to get free, you want to be able to walk out of that place, man, and change the world. Now, if you got a stone rolling away, what do you do? Sometimes God will roll the stone away himself. Man, it just supernaturally, miraculously, he'll take whatever's hindering you and just blow it away. It's a wonderful thing. Sometimes God will tell others to roll away the stone. I think of when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He'd been dead, and I think he'd been there for three days. And um, Everybody was mad at him because he didn't show up in time to pray for him. But uh, he got there and he says, well, roll away the stone. And they said, no, no, he stinks. He's been cooking in there for three days. It's not nice. And he says, roll it away. No sense in raising it from the dead if you can't get him out of there. So they rolled it away. All these guys got together and they rolled it away. And Jesus yelled, Lazarus, come forth. And this guy comes hopping out. And boy, that was very cool. Now sometimes God will ask us to help roll away the stones in other people's lives. This is the whole idea of being a church, being a family of faith. A church is not just a building that you walk in. This is not a church. You're the church. We're the church. People make up the church. The church comes inside the building. You see the difference? You're looking at me like I dropped in from Mars. I know it's a church. But the real church is the people. That's what makes the church. And we need to be there for each other. A family of faith. Sometimes we need to get together and help people. Pray for people. Disciple people. Mentor people. It takes work. It takes energy. But we're supposed to be there for one another. And oftentimes God through the church will use the church people in the church to help roll away the stones in people's lives. Help to disciple. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said go into all the world and make disciples of everybody. We have it all get in there and give them the faith story but then we got to start rolling away the stones. See, it's just not a one-time prayer. I mean, that's the first start. But then you got to start rolling. You got to get rid of these things so people can start walking in freedom and be free and be all that God called them to be. And then sometimes we just need to obey God and roll away the stones ourselves. Quit doing stupid, obvious things. Now, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews used the analogy of a, of a runner running. Um, we see it in Hebrews, the uh, 12th chapter. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. What is he talking about? He just had mentioned, if you look at it in context, he just listed a whole bunch of people throughout the Bible who did incredible things. Mind-boggling things. Just regular, everyday people. You know, a lot of times we, we, we read these guys in the Bible and we think there was really something special about them. That's why they had all these miracles. They were super holy, special people. No, a lot of them were just nitwits like you and me. Just regular guys. Some of them even just full of fear and doubt. But he came and God spoke to them. And then they stepped out in faith and did amazing things. 
throughout history. And he goes through and he starts listing all these incredible stories in the Old Testament of, of these guys who had done amazing things. And he says, seeing how we're surrounded by such a list of incredible people, this uh, great cloud of witnesses, he uses that phrase. He says, so let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. When you run a race, you get rid of stuff. You get rid of all the weight, man. You get down to the basics, just what's just legal. So you're not naked. These guys were actually somebody told me San Francisco, apparently you can run races completely naked. The only law there is you have to wear shoes. San Francisco, good night. There's a nightmare. I've seen a bunch of naked guys running. Whoa, wow, wow. Wisconsin, you can't do that. But you do get down to the bare minimums. Why? Because they don't want any weight. They want to be able to run as far and as fast and as quick as they can. You don't see runners grabbing onto their 60-inch plasma TVs. You don't see them taking their best friends. Come on, man, help me out. You know, get on, climb on my back. Or people hanging on to stuff and grabbing. You know, I want to run, but I, I need the. You know, I've really gotten attached to this thing. You know, I don't want to give it up, but I, you know, I got to run. And you know, I got this thing. I know I shouldn't be doing that. And I, I got this. You know, I really. Okay, come on, let's let's go. Let's just. You're not gonna win. You're not gonna go anywhere. You're not gonna accomplish anything. You got to get rid of the stuff, he says. All these weights and these sins and these stupid things that hem us in. Sometimes we just got to roll away the stone by repenting. Stop doing what we know is clearly wrong. So we can walk, run efficiently, come out of the tomb. So anyway, this Easter Sunday, as you enjoy this day with your family and your friends, I want you to make a determination that any stone blocking your faith will be removed. Either by trusting God to do what you cannot do, by reaching out to others and allowing them to help you do what you cannot do, or to have the strength and determination to turn away from the things that you know you should and do what you know you need to do. The beauty is, is when you get free, it's a wonderful thing. Nothing worse than being alive stuck in a tomb. It's like it doesn't quite work. It's, it's, it's icky. You need to roll away the stone so that you can walk in true freedom as Jesus did on that glorious Easter morning. I'm going to invite our ushers to come at this time and our worship team to come back out. The choir, everybody, come on out. We're going to get ready to uh, have our time of communion and bring our service to an end. So I've challenged you this morning, particularly those of us who have, are born again of faith, to, to get rid of the things that we know are limiting our freedom in life. But if you're here this morning, maybe your problem isn't that you're not walking in the freedom of the gospel. It's just that you're still dead in your sin. You've never had this experience that I've been talking about. Where you ask Christ into your life. Where you can be born again. Where Jesus jump starts your heart. And you really come and become a whole person. In a little bit, I'm going to invite everybody to pray a prayer together. And uh, give you an opportunity to... Ask Christ to come into your life. And uh, this is the beginning step. This is how you can start and, and, and invite God to come and breathe his life into your life. A lot of people say, well, well can't, I'm not that bad of a guy. Can't I just be good enough? If you could be good enough, Jesus would not have gone to the cross. The reason we're celebrating this time right now, we're going to be reflecting on the body of Christ that was broken for us. His blood that was shed for us. The passion that he went through, the suffering. He did all of that for you and for me. 
because we couldn't do it ourselves. If you could be good enough, he would have just said, hey, be good enough. And he just would have went to heaven. He wouldn't have gone through the suffering. People say, well, well, well can't I do something special, you know, earn it? Can I, can I, you know, really, you know, give a lot of extra money or, or, or help a bunch of poor people? Or No, I mean, that's, those are wonderful things to do, but that won't cut it. If that would have cut it, he would have said, hey, do something special. I'm out of here. He wouldn't have gone through that. Remember, Jesus, he wasn't looking forward to this. We read that scripture on Friday, you know, Father, if there's any way, let this come pass from me. He didn't want to endure this horrible thing he had to endure. But he said, not my will, but thine be done. Why would God ask this? Because he was the Lamb of God, the one who was to take away the sins of the world. He did for us what we cannot do. The only way that you can be born again with the life of God inside of you is to trust in Jesus. To accept his atonement for our sin. He paid the price. You need to let him pay for that price in your heart this morning. I'd like us all to bow our heads together. And I'm going to invite everyone to pray. I know uh, not everyone gets saved every Sunday when we pray this prayer. We just all pray it together so it's comfortable for everyone. For those who may be praying this for the very first time. But if you'll mean this prayer from the very bottom of your heart. God can do a miracle in your life this morning. Let's pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I surrender to you this morning. I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your resurrection power and roll away all the stones that would hinder my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I'm going to invite the